Welcome to ICA Podcast 9. The goal of ICA Podcast 9 is to provide insightful information about the industry to members and non-members of Intercoiffure America Canada, the voice for salon owners. Each week we'll bring business, educational and inspirational topics to aid anyone with ties to the beauty industry. We will have a revolving series of hosts pulling from industry leaders as hosts and guests to keep things lively and interesting and make you wonder what's coming next. Now, here's this week's edition of ICA Podcast 9. I want to welcome everybody today to Nacofure America Canada podcast, and I'm so delighted and so happy to be able to present to you with the next guest. His name is Kenny Beck, and he Kenny Burke. Is, huh? Kenny Burke. Did I say Beck? Yep. Oh, I am so sorry. <laughs> okay, I, I get that a lot. I get that a lot. Let's <laughs> start all over. No, I knew Beck. I was, I was writing. I'm so sorry. Okay. No worries. We're going to start all over. Robin, are you there? Anyway, all right. Uh, three, two, one. I want to thank everybody today for being with uh, Intercoffee America Canada's podcast. And I'm so delighted that we've got our guest who is amazing cutter and an amazing uh, icon in our industry, uh, Kenny Burke. And he is... Um, well, let me just go back and just tell everybody that I've been talking to a lot of hair cutters throughout the country and the world, and his name is always one of the top five that pops up. So uh, he's, he's amazing. And Kenny, I want you to tell us uh, about your career, how you got in the business, and, and let's just open up the conversation about where you think haircutting is, has been, and uh, going to be. Well, uh, well, first of all, thank you for inviting me to this. It's actually very exciting, especially with what's going on in the industry and, um, and those kind words that you had to say. And it, it's always humbling to hear, um, to hear things about yourself that you really never thought were really um, making any type of an impact. But let me take you back to where this all started. And I would love to share with you where the industry I believe is today. Um, well, actually, where the industry has come from, where it is today, and um, how I believe um, the industry is going to be within the next, you know, two to three to five to 10 years. Well, first off, um, I've been in the industry now, it's, it's about 46, almost 48 years, a long time, <laughs> quite a long time, uh, starting at a, at a very young age, you know, as a, as a young kid growing up in New York. Manhattan and Queens and then moving to Long Island um, as a young kid I was pretty much into music and as a very at a very young age very aware of how musicians imaged themselves and um, I found myself drawn to percussion and drums so you know being the garage band drummer and making lots of friends and out of desperation just making sure my hair and all my band members hair look good with a bunch of old razor blades, essentially making everybody look like Rod Stewart. Yeah. <laughs> and it worked, so they liked it. You know, the band thing continued on for a while, but then one thing happened, I'll, I'll never forget this. And this is what started. Even though I was a young drummer and, you know, trying to do the best I can in high school, literally high school. And uh, 
making my band and myself look good with hair. Um, one day I stopped by my mother's hairdressing salon on the way to my band rehearsal to stop by to get some money from mom, you know, for food and, you know, things that you would need at a band rehearsal. And I used to stop by and I watched my mom getting her hair done. And this is now this, mind you, this is 1966. 1966, two years post Beatle era to all of our people out there who know who they are. Anyway, long story short, the energy, the men, the women, the fashion, I wanted I wanted that. I just, that was so cool. So that was embedded in my mind. So let's just fast forward from that point on. Long story short, my grandma offered to pay for me to go to um, hairdressing school to try to help me find my way, which I did, and I graduated. And then my mom's hairdresser, who was a former Vidal Sassoon employee back in the early 60s, hired me as an assistant. And since he was very good friends with my mom, trained me, trained me to a point where that initial desire became a passion. And then at one point in time, I said to his name was Peter, I want to work for the people who trained you. And mind you, I was working in Long Island. So Vidal Sassoon's at the time was in New York. So long story short, I got hooked up with Vidal Sassoon's. I came out to California in 1975, again, by the grace of my grandma saying, what do you need to do to expand yourself with, with, with what you want to do? I said, well, there are, there was a, there's a school that was just opened in San Francisco. Um, and I would love to take a course there. So I went out and I took a week's course there. And that passion that I initially had in its infantile stages became absolutely explosive. I had the best of the best train me that came over from England. People like Tony Beckerman and, and Robert E. Dell, and Christopher Brooker. And that opened up the whole world of teaching to me. So not only was I enjoying doing hair at a young age and then properly trained, but now under the tutelage and under the, uh, under the wing of all these amazing hair cutters, the school was sold out for two years before it even opened. And I was asked after my week, one week, would I be interested in becoming a teacher? because they saw how I was actually helping other students right. cut hair, cut hair. I said, really? I said, yeah, yeah, sure, yeah, anything you want. And this is what will pay you, blah, blah, blah. I called home to mom. I said, mom, listen, they want me to teach here. They want me to live here. They'll take care of everything. She says, do it. <laughs> so, I go with the, so, you know, with the 100% blessing, that started my 15 and a half years with Vidal Sassoon's. Yeah. So, Fast forward from 1975, I went down to LA and worked in the Vidal Sassoon Academy there. Went back to San Francisco uh, and actually ran the Advanced Academy in the back of the Vidal Sassoon Salon in the late 80s, in the uh, early 80s. That's when Christopher Brooker came over from England to actually work with the salon to help get the numbers up and get the morale up and the whole artistic end of it up. Um, 
and that was amazing. You know, that was just amazing being under the under the thumb of Christopher and the whole company at that time actually doing uh, tours with the art directors. So that was that was the 15 and a half years that not only got my um, my my initial want of doing really great hair to a point of uh, passionate hair, but then it became an obsession. Yeah. A compulsive obsession. I ate, I lived, I breathed, nothing but haircutting. And being around these people at such a young age, from my mother's hairdresser to these amazing British hairdressers, there was no word in their language anywhere near the word of mediocrity. You will be doing the best, the best that you can possibly do and better. There'll be no second choice. Either you do the best or you don't belong with the company. And that really put a fire under my butt as far as, uh, wow, I guess this is where I'm meant to be. And it lasted, it lasted until I was kind of headhunted down by the Redkin company. Now, there's a name in the industry, Terry Donnelly. Yep. Terry Donnelly was one of the students at the school when I was teaching. She was actually taking a full hairdressing course there. We became great friends. And the guy that I came out with from, from New York, um, they were boyfriend and girlfriend for a while. So we all became close friends, really close friends. And then, you know, Terry graduated. I continued on. And um, so I had, you know, we were talking on and off and throughout the years kind of lost touch. And then one day I get a phone call from Terry. I said, Terry, how are you? What are you, what are you doing? She says, well, listen, I got a proposition for you. I'm with Redkin now. Redkin has just been bought out by L'Oreal and we are putting together a cutting team. And, you know, at that time, Sheila, I was, I realized I had taken Vidal Sassoon as far as I could. So the best I could have absolutely been um, happened with Sassoon's technically. But I knew there was something else that I was missing. And it just so happened, you know, you know, the old saying, you know, build it and they will come. Right. If the need is there, it'll happen. Well, it was the perfect timing. So Terry, one, one way, you know, to make a long story short, I joined Redkin as their initial haircutting team. And the first haircutting team that Redkin ever had, it was me, it was Sam Via, it was Chris Barron who pulled, who came down from Canada and a, and a small handful of other people that with Terry's initial system of compass cutting, which is a very logical way of cutting hair, we took it around the country. We took it in regional tours and just blew everybody out the doors with not only what we were doing, but the huge why we were doing it. And that was the missing link at that point in time because people wanted to cut hair. Sure, this is what I wanna do. This is how I'm gonna do it. But they couldn't answer the why. Because if you can't answer the why in anything you do, you might wanna step back and find out why you're doing it that way. And nine times out of 10, you might change courses. So I knew this is the right thing. So again, fast forwarding with Redkin, um, in 1990, this all happened about 19, well, I would think 91, 92. 
And Redkin was having thoughts about opening up an academy in New York City called the Redkin Exchange. And they wanted me, Sam Via, Chris Barron, and one other gentleman, uh, David Klein, to actually get this together, put some curriculums together, and, 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 and they could work. And we did. And to this day, you know, the exchange is probably one of the most sought after uh, kind of meccas for education in the world. And uh, that journey was amazing. It lasted. And, you know, at this point in time, I'm still with Redkin 26 years, not as active anymore. Um, I'm, I'm wanting to work with more uh, academies, private academies, working one-on-one, -on -one, no more hair shows. You know, I can go on with the amount of worldwide shows I did and hands-ons, but to me, everything got to a point where I think my niche is working with the students one-on-one, -on -one, small intimate environments, small academies, no more major hair shows. Um, and I found my niche. So with, with that whole journey, it got me to a point realizing that, wow, and I failed to much mention one thing with Redkin. With Sassoon's, I became technically masterful. Now, when I say masterful, I am a master at cutting hair, but that doesn't mean I know everything. That means that I know how far I've come, but I still know how much further I need to go. That's the mark of a master. Never really underestimating the power of learning just that much more. Because once you get to that point of realizing I've made it, at that very second, you actually start going down because there's always more to learn. You can never learn any less. And you know what? The best teachers throughout my entire career were the learners. The learners taught me more, or I'd say more than I ever wanted or thought I could learn from them until I started to listen to what they were saying, not just hearing what they were saying and watching what they were saying, but listening, and I'm not talking listening just with my ears, just listening to them, listening verbally, listening, you know, visually. Do you so remember, to, uh, I'm sorry, do you remember Yosh Toya? I know Yosh very well, very well, for you many, know, many years. The things he used to always say is, uh, you can never be a teacher unless you're a good student, and you should you're never asked. be a student unless you're willing to let people teach you. That's so. right. That's right. It's so true. Yeah. Uh, that, you know, I think Yosh, uh, you know, he was also a very fantastic photographer. He traveled the world. Yeah. And he, he came by the salon in San Francisco one day. He surprised me. And he came by, you know, we sat and talked and, you know, gave hugs and blah, blah, blah. And he broke out this little book. The book was only five inches by five inches of all of his photographs all of his little photographs. And just what you just said, at the end of this book, he says, Kenny-san, remember, you can never learn any less. Keep teaching, keep learning, keep growing. I still have that book. It's just an amazing book, amazing book. So that whole journey led me to a point of where I am now. Kind of bowed out of Redkin, uh, not officially resigned, but kind of wanted to do a lot more one-on-one. -on -one. So that was my past, taking me to a point of expertly executing hair, understanding the why behind haircutting, because the three words that I always try to put in forefront 
of everything that I do is you have to put it in this context. What, why, and how? Know what you want to do. Know why you want to do it. Because if you understand the why, the how of what you're going to do is going to be a lot more on point in anything you do, especially haircutting. So this was, now the next thing I want to put out there is you can be as technically proficient as you can in haircutting and color and anything you do. But, and that's being technically grounded. And this is something that really hits home with a lot of young students. When I, when I break this out into my orientations, because technical is great, but the thing is, if you're not personally grounded, meaning knowing who you are, what you are, where you've come from, if you're not personally grounded, there's no way the success that you want or expect to happen is going to happen. So with Redkin, what I can say, the years I've been with Redkin have helped me do is to become 100% personally grounded because the information you put across, if you put it in a cross, if you put it across in a way that comes from the heart first, then through the mind and then out through your mouth, it's gonna be accepted because it's gonna be you. It's gonna be real. It's not gonna be scripted and people will associate with it. So with the, and I'll use the word facilitation of cutting hair as opposed to the teaching of cutting hair. And there's a huge difference in that. The, facil the facilitation comes from a, a point of personal grounding. The difference between teaching and facilitating when you teach, you have knowledge and you share the knowledge and you give answers. When you facilitate information, if you're personally grounded, you have the art of questioning so uh, crystal clear that you don't have to give answers. You bring out the answers in people that don't even know they have the answers, which does one thing, it empowers them. The answers that they always knew, but they maybe didn't even know they knew, they always had it. And if the environment that you're in, again, if you're personally grounded, you're not dealing with egos, if you're in an environment and you make that environment safe, things in the past they may have not wanted to say because of, oh, I might make a mistake. I'm not gonna say that. And then what happens? Someone says that and it was the correct answer. It brings me back to high school. I never wanted to answer questions because I don't want to be perceived as a stupid, person right but the the answer that i wanted to say the person who was getting all the a's answered it as i would have so i put that into context if you're being true to what you're saying and who you are bring the best out in people brings bring things out in them that they were too inhibited to say they were never in a safe environment to me the importance of personal grounding making your learning environment safe and having fun. It's only cutting hair. It's not rocket science. But, and I'll get to this in a moment as far as you know the past, present, and future of our industry. Unless the principles of whatever we do, then the results won't be on point and they'll always be kind of hit and miss. They'll always be either justified or denied 
or some type of laying blame on the results that didn't happen. So with, with teaching, as opposed to facilitating, personally, facilitation is the way to share education. You create a safe environment. To, I want to go back yeah. to something that you said, because I love the fact that you, um, so many people, I hear younger students now say, well, I just don't have the passion. Um, and I'm, it's always been funny because you're not really born with a passion. It's no. sort of created, but I love your journey of awareness, dedication, passion, and then obsessed, which I think <laughs> is probably about the way it happens. And I do think that uh, we lack the awareness uh, to our new people coming in of what some what a good haircut is or what what is good versus okay or what's great than just being good you know there are levels of yes I, yes um just and like i remember i was one of the ones in redkin that took a class from y'all the group and right. i remember the it was like once you finish the haircut look at it look at the bone structure what one thing can you do just to make it from great to fabulous and that's always stuck in my mind when I finish a haircut is I look at them and I'm going is there something that I can do to set that apart for that particular face that's going to make that specific to their knees or their look or their uh, hair so I want you to expand on that because I think that this sure. is a really important uh, conversation for our students and for even people that's been still in the industry for a long time to realize that it's the awareness before the passion, right? Correct, absolutely correct. And to tag on to that, the way you make a haircut great, moving it from a good haircut, starts before the haircut even starts. Because you always have to start with the end in mind. Because if you can't see the end result before you start, even though you may be wanting to be creative and be spontaneous, spontaneity is one thing. But the thing is, when you're dealing with the human bone structure, as my peers, Vidal has always said, if you're seeing the end result before you start, and within our profession, well, I would say any profession, but within our, uh, our profession specifically, if you can nail that consultation before we even start our haircut, the consultation, meaning their personal lifestyle, their professional lifestyle, not just their bone structure, because their bone structure may be absolutely one thing, but their professional lifestyle and maybe their personal lifestyle could be another. You can't base a haircut to make it from good to great just on bone structure. I think the true mark of a great haircut, an outstanding haircut that turns heads, the haircut becomes the person. So unless you know the person, and I mentioned it a minute ago, unless you're personally grounded in knowing who you are and what you are, and you're so in tune of the person you're working with, there's no way technically you're gonna make a good haircut, let alone a great haircut. And of course, if that's all in place and all that's said and done, the ending of a great haircut is enhanced even further by understanding what 
products to use, how to finish the hair, and in most cases, less is more. Because a true, beautiful haircut can stand on its own as a haircut without tons and tons of products and finishing. So I think to, to, to your question, understand the person, know the person. I mean, and again, the consultation, if you, if you think of consultation, there's certain levels of listening within a consultation that'll get you closer and closer to achieving the greatness of a haircut as opposed to a good haircut. The lowest level of listening that you don't want is you're coming into that consultation or, or doing that client, whether it be the first time or whether it being uh, a number of times with a, a sense of distraction. There's a, there's a, there's, you're having life on your mind. So how can you possibly really tune into this client if you have life on your mind? The next level up from that, which is not as, not as bad, but still not good, is you are judgmental. If you're judgmental to the person and you have life on your mind, I don't care how technically good you are, that haircut I doubt will be good, let alone be spectacular. So you move up to the next level, which is not as bad as the first two, which is distraction. And there's a lot going on in a salon, a lot going on in your mind. Me being a Gemini, there's a lot going on in my mind. There's committees in my mind. <laughs> so I had to focus, I had to focus it even more. So anyway, so from the worst level of listening to help you get to that perfect haircut, well, you know, immaculate haircut, life's on your mind, you're judgmental, you're distracted. You're all below the line. You're below the line of getting anywhere near an amazing haircut. Now, once you can get to that level of awareness where you cross that line. Now, this was, this was an epiphany for me when I finally hit that. Because, you know, what you don't know, you don't know until you don't know it. And then, oh, ah, now I got it. So right. once, I, once I crossed that line from those bottom three and I became interested interested wow what a word interested in that client caring care about her you can do a lot of damage you can do a lot of beauty with a pair of scissors and a comb be interested in her care about her now you're on your way because you're you you've gotten all the minutiae out of the way and you are there for her like vidal always said and i still use a lot of his quotes because if they don't look good you won't look good so you have to do the best you can. Right. Once you get to that point of being genuinely interested in the client, you're well on your way getting to that point where, wow, this haircut's gonna be something special. And then the very top level, once you can get to that point of being so, I would say intuitive. So you have your bottom, life's on your mind. One up, you're just you're judgmental. One up, you're distracted. Cross the line. Oh, I'm interested. But interest is okay. It's a lot better than the bottom three. But once you can become genuinely intuitive, seeing in that client what she doesn't see in herself, body structure, body language, eye contact, all the things that make up who she is that she maybe doesn't even know herself, or maybe no hairdresser has ever taken the time to genuinely become intuitively concerned about their well-being, because it is about them. It's totally about them. It's not about how cool you look or how 
great you do hair. Are you there for them? Because once you hit that point, that client will buy into you and you have bought into her. And it really only takes about 15 seconds or less, especially with a new consultation for that client to believe in you. Because once she trusts you and once you know her, that point, from that point on, you've got her. That's how clientels are built immaculately or clientels aren't built. And then the staff room is constantly being either justified or lay blamed or denied why we're not busy. It's reception's fault or whatever it may be. So to your point, what's the difference between a great, a good haircut and a great haircut is genuinely being intuitively concerned about your client. Also making sure that you're personally grounded, also making sure that you are absolutely 100% principally based technically. What's happening now in the industry, I won't use the word sad because sad is a word I don't like to use and I don't like to use the word hate. There's too much of that going on right now in the world. But what is happening now in California at least, there's a bill that the Senate has passed, hasn't gone to the, uh, the House yet. But if this bill passes, we are in a lot of um, chaos. And that bill states in California, I don't know how this is going to work in other states. 1,600 hours is the time that kids have to go to beauty school and get their license. 1,600 hours, which gives you everything. You know, your styling, your cutting, your everything you need to know to pass state board. What's happening? Those 1,600 hours are being cut to 1,000 hours. Haircutting and styling are being omitted from the program. You will no longer have to take cutting and styling to get your license. Now, you can look at it in two ways. Oh my God, the glass is half full. We are in a state of chaos now. What are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? We're getting kids out of school that will either do the tutorials, go on YouTube and whatever, which is all fine and well because there's good information out there. Or you can look at it, wow, if schools are on top of it, I know schools right now that will be on top of it if it passes. If that happens, there's alternatives because whatever tuition school pays, uh, the kids have to pay for their schools. You have two options. They can pay that particular tuition and graduate, might not be as much as they would pay with you know less hours and no cutting and no styling. And get out and you know good luck and then oh my god the world's gonna have to suffer and they will or you can sign up for our school your tuition is 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 the same but you will have 600 hours of credit to take your cutting and your styling after the fact and that's where it's going to really open up doors for uh trainers for salons that have immaculate training programs and the principle-based approach to cutting hair or coloring hair or styling hair will be in the forefront. Um, that's what I'm hopefully not gonna see while I'm still in the business. Hmm. If it does well, you know, <laughs> a lot of information that's gonna needed to be given, yeah. You know, 
our industry needs to be revamped from the very bottom up because um, such, such a, a, a wide degree of uh, diversity in our industry and the way they learn. So, you know, wouldn't it be great if they could get just enough of the basics that they, yes. would, yes. they would know how to seek out further, uh, more uh, in-depth mentorship with the right yes. people. How beautiful would it be if they in school and then they just told them about everything that's available in our industry and then say, here's a list if you wanna be a makeup artist. Go, these are the people we recommend and these are the people yes. we recommend for further haircutting and then go in and get advanced, which brings me back to the word advanced. There is no advance. Right. It's more right. become better at the basics. Um, right, that's right, right. Right? So let's be realistic. I mean, we've been doing our industry, we've been in our industry and it's been do working the same way for 50 or more years and it's time to shake it up and maybe do something a little bit different. Absolutely, I totally agree. So and that, you know, that, that I totally agree with that. Against that. It's still gonna, right. something's gonna happen and we've already started shaking the industry and now let's just make sure that it it falls where the students know that they really have to be mentored to become as good as they're going to need to be in the future yeah it's 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 true students who graduate academies with names you know top name academies i've been seeing and i have been seeing in the past they they graduate with a feeling of entitlement they got a right. name above their you know, their name of where they've come from. And, you know, at that point, they expect they're entitled to walk into a clientele, walk into success. Um, it, okay, so let me ask it, Yeah, go ahead. Let me ask you something. Um, if you could just guesstimate at how much money you've put into your education um, from, I mean, like where you were and how you wanted to be better and who you sought out and how you traveled over there and gave up everything mm -hmm. and worked for nothing. And mm -hmm. just look at that. I did the same thing. I mean, I was at least one weekend out of the month. I was somewhere. Oh, yeah. classes. Oh, yeah. So, you know, people say, oh, well, uh, beauty school is just this amount of money. Well, you know what? That is just the beginning of what you're going to spend on your education. And at the end of the day, I would say 20 years later, you put more money into your education than a lot of people who've gone to Yale and Harvard. That's so true. I would say in my in my career, I would put in almost three quarters of a million dollars, three quarters yeah. of a million dollars into my okay. education at this point in time, at least at minimum no. a half a million, half a million. And you know, the years I was with Sassoon's and people always said to me, you know, well, you were at Sassoon's for 15 and a half years. Why are you here? Or why are you taking a course at a, at a you know, well-known academy? And I used to do that. I used to, because these people used to come to our schools. So they knew me. So I would still enroll in a, you know, in a, in a weekend course or go to a seminar. And I was running Vidal Sassoon School or I was with them at the academy or I'm on, the, on tour with Tim Hartley and Annie doing their global tours, but I would show up. And they'd sit there with their mouths dropped. Why are you here? 
And it, it, like I said, right from the beginning, because I needed to get as clear a perspective outside of the world of Vidal Sassoon's. What's going on out there? What's needed out there? What can I take back? And, you know, I took back more information from these small little insulin seminars that I would just show up to under, a, under an assumed name. They wouldn't know who, me, who I was or an academy. Could be a Tony and Guy Academy. Could be Paul Mitchell. It didn't really matter. I knew them. They knew me. But I had to show up because I wanted to know. I wanted to get out of that vacuum. That was the obsessive part that transformed me from the passion. I needed to, I needed to know. I just needed to know what was out there. I didn't right. want to be stuck. I didn't want to be stuck. Because once, you, once you're stuck, once you're at a place because of the fear of what's next, unless somehow, some way you, you, you take that can opener and get yourself out of there, you know, the old adage, if you keep doing that same thing as you've always been doing and getting those same results, you'll never grow. And then you get into a point of being very complacent. You become, you, you, you become um, almost, almost blind and deaf because there is nothing else out there. Yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, once you step out and you can smell that air, it's like opening up your door into a fresh spring morning. Oh my gosh, it's amazing. You come back so inspired. Um, so not only monetarily was it important for me to get out there and make the investment, because it is an investment in your career. It's an investment in you. You'll never get any better. You'll never grow. You know, people I've worked with for so many years, going into their salons and training them, 15, 20 years in the business, and they sit me down in their office afterwards, the owners, saying, Kenny, I've been in this business so many years, and I just, I, I can't seem to, I can't seem to get past this, this business rut or this artistic rut. And I have to lay it right out to him because I've always been honest. I said, you've been in the business for 20 years, but you've been doing 360 degree exact cycles every single year. So it's not the years that you were accumulating that were helping you with your growth. It was what you weren't doing with those years that were inhibiting you each year until you finally get to a point of realizing I got to change. I have to change. And once you have them step outside their comfort zone, it could be anything, whatever it is. They right. realize, oh, my God, what wasted time. And I said, no, no, it wasn't wasted time because you just had that epiphany. That time brought you to right now. So don't think it was wasted because now, you know, now you need to make the quantum leap and make up for lost time, not wasted time. I mean, time's not gonna wait for us. You don't waste time. You get to that point of getting to a point in your time of your business or your career that you finally see it. And then you gotta jump on it and then you gotta do it. And there's no more time to continue doing the same thing. That's where so you get that next growth. What would be your best um, five minute advice to the new people coming into the industry or the people that feel like they've lost their their passion for some reason because I feel like they're at the same mental attitude yeah, yeah. coming in and then burnout maybe um, what would you tell them to do and and to move forward to get back involved or to get involved first and foremost find a mentor find a mentor 
somebody that you can look to for answers, that you can look up to, that you want to be like that person. I always wanted to be like Vidal Sassoon's. I always wanted to be like Tim Hartley. I always wanted to be like a Paul Mitchell. Find someone that you can look up to, someone that you really believe in who they are, what they are, what they're doing. And make sure that you, no matter what it takes, you get to that person, whatever it takes, whatever amount of money it takes, whatever distance it takes, however you can communicate with this person or persons, you have to do that. Once you get there, you basically come there with open arms, you know, teach me, you know, I'm here to grow and learn. So the first and foremost, find a mentor. Make that your sole commitment because once you can make that commitment and then you dedicate yourself 100% to getting from point A to B, you'll be surprised how fast you get there because you're never gonna get there by yourself. No one gets to success by themselves. They get to any level of success by surrounding themselves with successful people. The successful people have gotten there because they surrounded themselves with successful people. I'm not talking about successful monetarily wise. I'm talking about successful people who have achieved what they wanted to achieve through hard work, through faith, patience, and perseverance. And if you can find that in a mentor, then you know you're on the right track. But it's right. got to be that way. It's, it's got to be that way. You have to find that person that can not only get you to where you want to be technically, but that person has to have that balance of business and the art under control. Because once you learn the art of business and master the craft in our profession, cutting hair, that mastery of business and art will keep you where you want to be and beyond for the rest of your career. Because if you're not business oriented, you're going to fail. If you're not artistically uh, competent, you're going to become bored and you're going to fail anyway. Spoke to hairdressers that are amazing, amazing hairdressers. Oh my gosh, the cutting and the style. Amazing. Where are they? They're up in the Haight-Ashbury of San Francisco charging $30 a haircut and right. not knowing why they can't be where they've always wanted to be. And then you have hairdressers who are making, and believe it or not, excess of close to a million dollars a year maybe 250,000, $500,000 a year that are so bored. They don't know what to do with themselves. And if they're bored, guess who else is bored? Their staff. And they can't understand why they're not keeping staff. They're good business people, but then again, you know, they'll attract and they'll lose what they are. So the importance is find a mentor, find a mentor that's going to put you under his wing, like I found at Vidal Sassoon's in the early days, that will not let you settle for mediocrity, that will make you the best you can be. The environment's safe, the education will put you to a point where work is good, you've committed to it, and from that point on, dedicate yourself and commit yourself to that. Don't let anything veer you from that direction. I attribute all my success today to the people at Vidal Sassoon's, People like Terry Donnelly, people like Christopher Brooker, people that got me 
to Sassoon's, got me to Redkin's, got me to parts of my life that can technically ground me, personally ground me, and make me feel, you know, oh, help me to feel that I'm okay. And you know what? I think above all this, Sheila, above this all, stay humble. Yeah. Stay kind. Stay humble. Stay kind. And you will have everything you want in your lifetime. If you lose that perspective, once you hit that success you're looking for, you're going to go down quicker than you ever thought. Stay humble, kind, find a mentor, stay passionate, become obsessed with the craft of doing hair because you're not only just doing hair, you're changing people's lives. You're changing yeah. their lives with a pair of scissors and a comb. So do it well. It's amazing. It's amazing. Having a person well, come in to your chair and then leaving, not only looking great, but feeling fantastic because of you, because of you. It's amazing. Yeah. That's why I still have it a really passion is. now. I get goosebumps really when is. I just say that. I still get goosebumps when I talk about that, you know? No, I can hear it in your voice and I, I totally- Oh my God. And, and I just love that you've given credit to so many of the people that you mentioned and because when I've spoken to them, they've given you credit. So, you know, we are like uh, musicians. I mean, we get better when we get to play with each other and right. learn from each other and make music together. And I feel like that's what we've done in the haircutting world and in the industry. I know. You know, there's uh, two people that I did not mention. There's two people that I didn't mention my, my Sassoon's career um, that were instrumental, instrumental in how I did hair, I perceive how I looked when I was doing hair. One one gentleman by the name of Tony Beckerman. Yeah. Tony Beckerman to me was and still will always be, uh, I can't even put it into words, but if it wasn't for Tony Beckerman, the original instructors at the school, when I, when I came out to California, we, we were all teaching together. These two gentlemen between I got, I'm just visualizing right now, the 4.30 demonstration at the school when Tony Beckerman came in. I mean, the place was packed. Tony's doing a demonstration, Max was doing a demonstration because it just wasn't what they were doing. Right. It was, the energy was electric. It was the electric of the passion coming off of them, the sweat coming off of them, the enthusiasm aside from great haircuts. Tony Beckerman, Max Papier, Robert E. Dell, those three, that was the trilogy. That was the trinity that got me to the point of, um, you know, just, just doing amazing hair. Another person, Alan Vernon Keach, another amazing artist who I can really attribute to all my body positioning and my, and my movements. You know, these people, you know, unless you can really look inside yourself and who really got you to where you are, you'll never really blossom. And you know what? Be like these people, try to be like these people because once you do, then it'll open up who you really are. And then you take it and put it across your own way. And that's where your legacy lives on. Well, you've definitely got a legacy and you're definitely one of the icons of our industry right now. And Kenny, I am so thankful that you took the time to uh, speak with me and tell you what I'm gonna do. Uh, I'm going to put all your information, your contact information, if you give me um, approval, up on our yep. website within a so that our students and anybody that wants to get in touch with you and, 
and be mentored by you and are just be with you can contact you and um, continue their their growth and also rekindle their passion because obviously absolutely you're the, you're the guy so i Ab think absolutely so i cannot tell you um how much i appreciate you and thank you for taking the time for to be on in a coffee or american Canada's podcast today uh, for you sheila thank you so much for inviting me and uh final words stay humble stay kind and be the best you can be yes absolutely and then um i will see you in new york in october you will give me All the information right. i'll be there for you definitely will thank you so much Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for the ICA Podcast 9 podcast. Be sure to tune in next week for more industry insight and information. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast too and share it with your friends in the industry. Our only goal is to bring people together and share information with those that need it. Intercoiffure America Canada is proud to be the voice for salon owners. For more information about us, visit intercoiffure.com. That's intercoiffure.com.